Praise the Lord. There is, there is someone here <clears throat> that uh, has a um, situation with your kidney, and um, the Lord is healing you right now. Word of knowledge is manifesting, and so you receive that in Jesus' name. We have been talking in this series about keeping or keep hope alive. God is a restorative, restoring God, and through faith in Christ, that's the nature of hope. That's the character of hope. We have to recognize hope is a spiritual thing. It's not just, well, I hope so. I hope the Lord does. No, that's not hope. That's wishful thinking. And we need to understand of spiritual truth regarding hope. Hope is something that you are absolutely full of faith regarding the future. So last week we learned about an undivided heart. An undivided heart. Remember, Pastor Terry, wasn't that awesome what you gave us last week? Of the undivided heart where your soul is renewed daily and has no conflict with your spirit, which we found in Scripture that your spirit cannot sin. It's your soul, mind, will, and emotions that sin. Your, your flesh follows either your soul or spirit, and uh, so we choose that our flesh follows our spirit, and the emotions of the excitement uh, for our flesh comes because our soul is not in conflict with our spirit. So we are full of the Word of God, walking according to the Word of God, called having an undivided heart. When we struggle, when we feel like we're not hearing God, the realization is uh, because our soul is in conflict with our spirit. So today, we want to talk about how do we keep hope alive in the midst of an attack? The first thing I want you to know is that Satan is the cruelest person in the world. If you think of people like Hitler, the Holocaust deliberately murdered 11 million people, and many other million people died because of his demonic leading that, that took place, and millions and millions of people were murdered and killed because of the devil using one man called Hitler. How about Charles Manson? Remember Sharon Tate, where they carved on her pregnant belly and that her child died of suffocation because the child's mother was murdered by this group? How about Ted Bundy? 30 homicides, and they say many more killed many many women. Satan was behind all these awful people. I want you to recognize Satan is the cruelest person in the world. Satan hates you. Satan does not want anything good to happen in your life. The Bible says that the thief comes, another name for Satan, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give you life and that life more abundantly. There's a total opposite who Jesus is, giving life and joy and peace, and Satan, who just literally hates us. 
I had an experience when my wife and I were youth pastors in Indiana. We had gotten there in the first few weeks. We went to a camp and just had a blast at camp. Young man uh, was on the bus, and he was just like the funniest kid you'll ever know. 13 years old, just led to the Lord. The second week that my wife and I were there, we led him to the Lord. There was an anointing upon him, a call upon his life for ministry. Things were going good for him, and about six months after the call of God upon his life and all that, uh, he and his mom were walking down the shoulder of the road, Indiana, in the, the country, and a guy in the middle of the day was drunk, went off the road and uh, hit and killed this young man, threw him 125 feet. He was killed instantly. They were holding hands, he and his mom, and all of a sudden he was gone. She did not, not even know where he was. She just heard a big bang and that was it. Did the funeral, over a thousand people at the funeral. Many of the students from the schools were there because he was a popular kid and now he was a popular born again, called of God in ministry kid, but he was killed. I went a few weeks later to go visit the mom and to sit with her and she's still just absolutely just destroyed because of the loss of her son. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, began to talk to me about uh, what is happening in her life at that time. I myself had to recover from the loss of this young man, just amazing kid. And I told her after we sat for a while and she's crying and she's talking about things that she was feeling and things that were happening and Depression is wanting to get all over her and everything. I told her, I said, you would think after going through what you have gone through that Satan would give you a break. That Satan would just leave you alone. Satan is, is the cruelest person in the world, I told her. I also said to her that he will attack you with all sorts of accusations. And in attacking you with all sorts of accusations that you should have done something. What, what did I tell her? I, I tried to remember some of the things. This was actually 35 years ago. And some of the accusations that I said is that um, you should have, because you were the adult, you were the, the, the mom, you should have made your son and you walk further away from the road. It's all your fault why, should, why he's dead. Because this young man had been transformed so much, he loved his family so much that he was going to a football game that night and, and he said, oh, wait a minute, my mama's over at uncle so-and-so's and, and I'm gonna run, he was a runner in track, he said, I'm gonna run over to the house, I'm gonna walk my mom home, it's about a mile walk, and then I'm gonna shower and then I'm gonna come back to the football game. That's the kind of kid he was. So there he, he does that, and he walks the mom home. In the midst of walking her home, he was killed. She was a spiritual lady, and I said, you know, the enemy is lying to you and saying to you, you should have heard God. You should have known that danger was coming. Because the Bible says that if you call unto the Lord, he will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. You should have known this. 
And she's sitting there, and it's like her eyes were getting bigger and bigger because everything I was saying to her, she was saying, that's what I've been battling. You should have drove instead of walked. She had gone to the doctor's a couple weeks before, and the doctor said, you need to walk more. You need to exercise more. So she was being smart, trying to take care of her body. So it's all her fault. Always thinking about yourself, you're selfish. You're no good. And then the last and the worst thing was, this young man's 13 years of age. And all the things that you should have said to him before he died, you're a terrible mom. She just wept, but something broke. Because I began to explain to her, it's, it is shocking how horrible Satan is. And wherever you're at in life, no matter how good things are going in your life, there is a spiritual battle, and the spiritual battle is that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes, we have authority. Yes, we have power over the enemy. Yes, he's a defeated foe. All the truths that we know, but still there are spiritual battles, and sometimes we as good Christians don't recognize that it is a spiritual battle. We think it's just a physical battle. We think it's just someone someone down the street or a family member that's rude and bad and we become offended and all these different things. But no, there is a spiritual battle where the enemy is coming in and he's wanting to destroy the very thing that God called you to. We have been, had a proclamation given to us today of oil dripping off our hands. There's an anointing upon us to go and do great things for the kingdom of God. And a lot of times the enemy will come in and say, you can't do that. That's not for you. Look what you did last night. Look what, and there is an enemy that is always wanting to get you into a place in your life where you feel worthless and no good, and you cannot do what you know you're supposed to do. So this message is to help you when spiritual attacks come. Let me say this to you. They will come you will have spiritual battles. And many of you are probably in one now. Some of you are thinking, well, I've been praying for something so long and it's not happening. I'm telling you, you're in a spiritual battle. Because the word is true. Jesus Christ is our healer. <clears throat> it has nothing to do with your faith. It has everything to do with not understanding that there's an enemy there that is trying to block the very uh, thing that God has already said. It's a done deal. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. I'm going to tell you how to overcome these spiritual attacks. So let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 42, your iPads, your phones, whatever you get your Bible from. And Psalm 42 and 43, you'll see it on the screen. Um, I, in most cases, unless stated, use New King James Version. Psalm 42 and 43 I believe was written at the same time, and many scholars believe the same thing. They are divided in our Bibles as in chapter 42 and 43, but David probably wrote them as one psalm. So when you read Psalm 42 and 43, you're actually reading one psalm. And David wrote it when he was running from Absalom, his son. You know the story that Absalom came in, got angry at, at, at David, and wanted to kill David and take over 
a coup to take over the kingdom from David. So he wrote it when Absalom was trying to kick him out of the throne. But here's David's dilemma. This is what David was going through when he wrote Psalm 42 and 43. It looked like he was losing his family. His own son was rebelling against him. Looked like he was losing the position that God, he knew God gave him. Remember, David was a humble man. David was the one that served Saul, the very man that tried to kill him. David was the one that cut the corner off the robe. Was, was a very humble man and, and, and really served God and knew authority and honored authority. But it looked like he was going to lose that position. It looks like he's losing everything. And at this point, he's fighting having hope. Have you ever been there? So before we read out of Psalms, let me read to you out of 2 Samuel. And out of 2 Samuel, it is a perfect picture of Satan and how Satan acts towards you in your life and in mine. This is a man from Saul's family. After Saul had been killed and uh, Jonathan killed and all that, he is mourning, he's upset, he's angry, and he just thinks David is this jerk that took over uh, for Saul and literally thinks that, you know, David's the one that killed Saul and David was not. David honored Saul and he humbled himself under the mighty hand of God that in due time, when it was God's timing, that he was raised up to be king. And look how this guy from Saul's family acts towards David. Now, get the picture. David and his 30 mighty men always walked with him. They're walking in with other soldiers and this is what this guy does. Chapter 16, beginning verse 7. Also, Shimea said, Thus when he, when he cursed, guy would cuss a lot, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul. See, it's your fault, David. You're the one that did this to Saul's family, to my family, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom in the hand of Absalom, your son. He's saying, you know what? You think you're king. You're not king. You're fake. You're a false king. You're not the one that's supposed to be in there. People will tell you when you're at work, when you're places of your life. That's not yours. You maneuvered that. You manipulated that. So now you are caught in your own evil, David, Look, Absalom's gonna take care of you because you are a bloodthirsty man. You killed Saul. And as David and his men went along the road, Shimea went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went. Just cursing and just all. And when it talks about cursing, it's more than just cussing, you know, saying a few words, four-letter words. He was literally saying curses over David and all kinds of things that were going on. And all of these, watch this, were lies. We're going to see something later on. And literally, here's how hateful Satan is. Here's a guy that's being led by this anger, this evil. And here's David, the king, walking with his 30 mighty men that could break the guy's neck. And the Bible says he threw stones at David and kicked up dust. In other words, he went, I hate you, I hate you, like a little kid. That's the way Satan is. Satan is a defeated foe. 
And he acts like a kid with a tantrum in hatred towards you. He'll kick up dust. He'll throw stones at you. He'll do whatever he can to get you out of hope. To think that your future or the future of your kids or whatever you are facing in your life, the attack in your life, he will say to you, you're worthless and no good and it's not going to work. That's how Satan is. He'll say it's your fault. Everything that is happening is your fault. So look what you did in your past. I know this thing about the blood of Jesus, but you've been really bad in your past, and you're never going to get through this. Basically saying, you're worthless. David flees to the wilderness, and he writes Psalm, or let me say it, he writes the Psalm. And we say Psalm 42 and 43. But notice how David starts this. You might remember this in a song too. It's a song of many years ago. Psalm 42 verse one says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Let's listen to this song. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship song. I'm not coming against a song. It's one of my favorite ones. But I don't think in writing the song that they understood the reason why Psalm 42 verse 1 was written. David is writing that psalm while under attack. 
He wasn't in his tent worshiping the Lord. He was out in the wilderness telling the Lord the pain that he was feeling, that he was losing hope. And while he was out in in the wilderness, I would suggest, I can't tell you this is what happened, but he begins just out of the blue, he writes about a deer. Let me explain to you what he was writing. And it correlates with the pain of losing hope and the pain of thinking he's lost everything, the spiritual attack that is on him, the turmoil that's in his, his soul, the turmoil that is in his mind, and his, he's not knowing what to do. What do I do, God? Everywhere I turn, there's an attack on my life. And he looks at the deer. So let me explain to you what he was saying. There's only one time when a deer pants is when he's being chased by an enemy. You will never see a deer walk casually in the yard like a dog panting. (laughs) The only time you see a deer, I lived in Michigan, there's over three million deer, you see deer all the time, and I understand I know deers. And the only time is when they're being chased, and after the chase, they pant. Let me tell you why they're panting. Because the way that God made deer, when a deer is being chased and the fear is there and the the pressure and the anxiety of of death and the anxiety of all that they're going through, they they use 80% of their water reserves in their body when they're running in fear. So if they're chased hard enough, watch this, if they're chased hard enough they will die. David, when he wrote the beginning of Psalm 42, but you'll see how his hope comes back as he writes. But David, what he's writing here, he's saying, God, I am ready to die. The thing I'm going through, it's too big for me. It's too tough. I can't handle this. But you know what a deer does after they get away from their danger? And the Bible says that that David fleed Absalom and went out into the wilderness and got away from the danger. The first thing a deer does when he gets away is he finds water because he has to replenish the 80% of the water that's in his body because he would die. David writes this. He's being chased by an enemy and he says, My soul is tired. My soul is tired of running. Just like the way a deer pants, Father, I am panting towards you. What does a deer do? He goes to the water to to be refreshed. What do you and I do when we have an attack? We go to the Lord to be refreshed. As the deer panteth for the water, so I pant towards you, Father. He's not dancing and singing and, and you know, all, all spiritual. He is at a place, he's at 
the end of his rope. He is at the end of his emotions. Things are going and it's just so tough on him. And he's saying, God, now I understand, just like the deer, the only one that can refresh me is you. That's why David wrote Psalm 42. Jesus, you are the only one that can refresh me. And this is what he's trying, want, wanting us to understand. If I don't get it from you, I will die. What do we do? When things happen, we get frustrated, we get angry, we run around, we tell everybody the, the wrongs. And there's no problem with sharing our hurts because we have brothers and sisters. That, we do that. That's what family's about. But here's the struggle, folks, is that we try to find the answer in everything else instead of God. Oh, but we do our Bible studies, we do our journaling. But this is what David was saying. He's saying, when I face a spiritual attack, there's physical attacks and physical or spiritual attacks. When I face a spiritual attack, this is what I do. God only. It's not about going and getting counseling, but counseling's good. It's not about going and talking to brother so-and-so and calling pastor or whatever. All that's good. And we need to do that. We need to come together. We need to learn. We need to encourage one another. Everyone got that? I'm not saying that you don't go to others. But I'm just saying, when you are in a spiritual attack, and this is from someone who hates you and will not relent, just like that young man's mom, will not relent, we have to go just like the deer and pant towards the Lord. God is the water when you are under attack. When your reserves are being taken, he's the water that will help you. We try to fix things, we try to find blame, we get offended, we become defensive. We run around looking for the answer from someone else and the only one, that's what David was saying, the only one that can help you when there's a spiritual attack is that you go to the Father. You drink from God. So now let me, this week and next week, I'm gonna give you four things to do when you were under attack, when you were under a spiritual attack. We'll talk about physical attacks and the difference, but let me give you these four things, but I'll just give you one today. And I think this is gonna be so life-changing to you. And this is why today I, I, have, been, I have been praying, I, I've, been, I've gone away, I've spent time away uh, this week, I've, I've done everything that I could. I worked uh, 10 hours last Sunday, 12 hours Monday, 10 hours Tuesday, 12 hours Wednesday, and then I went away. I had a meeting in the morning, and then I went away for a couple of days and enjoyed and relaxed and different things because I knew that today was a message that will absolutely change everyone if you allow it, this truth to become real to you. So watch this on the first point. The first point today I wanna to give you is recognize you are in a battle. 
You have to understand that you are in a spiritual battle and the one that's attacking you is Satan himself. He might be using others, might, you know, different things, but we don't blame the other. We don't get angry at the other. We need to get angry at the source of what's happening. You're not just sad in your emotions. It's not just a bad memory. You are being attacked spiritually by someone who wants to destroy, steal, kill, and destroy the very call of God in your life. The very things that you've prayed for your children and grandchildren, your, your nieces and nephews, and every, everybody around you, your business, everything, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and in that life, it's full of abundance. But it's a choice. Look at verse 3 of Psalm 42. My tears have been my food day and night. It's been 24-7 for David, the pressure. While they, notice the word they. While they continually say to me, where is your God? You ever faced that? Have you ever heard that? Where's your God? <laughs> well, who are they? They get blamed for a lot of things. You know, I'm not talking about they as, as like, you know, they don't make things like they used to. No, who are they? And David's going to tell us who they are. Because he's faced the same you and I have faced. Psalm 42, drop down to verse 9. I will say to God, my rock, notice how he's beginning to change. I will say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? They, let me tell you, are the enemy, Satan. David had literal enemies, but we must know it's spiritual. What David was facing was spiritual. They say, where is your God? Look what you're going through. You, you have served God and you have this. Some of you got family that look at you and when, you know, when things are going good, they're going, yeah, there comes the spiritual people. And then when something happens, child gets sick or whatever, something happens at school, well, where's your God? How come he's not there fixing it? And you look at them and you just want to just go up to them and punch them in the mouth. Yeah, don't you? But we don't do that, right? 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 Yeah. Okay. And the reason why you don't do that and the reason why you just don't get all ticked off at family and run from everybody is because you know where they is coming from. Yeah, they might act like idiots. Am I speaking truth? They might. But you need to understand that God has literally set the standard for you and I. He's saying, when you're out of your reserves, just like the deer, come after me. I'll refresh. I'll replenish. I will heal. I will restore and I, do, I will do what I promised you.
because I'm not a liar. They will say, you serve God, you just lost your job, where is God? You serve God, you just lost your loved one, where is God? You, you serve God, you're doing great things for the kingdom of God, and your 13-year-old son is walking down the road and is killed instantly, where's your God? Why didn't he protect him? You lost your marriage, where was your God? See, church, that's the way Satan is. He's throwing a, as they say in the South, he's throwing a hissy fit, kicking up dust, doing all kinds of things. You must recognize that you are in a battle, and it is a spiritual battle. So let me show you what the Word says to say when a spiritual battle happens. It's from Zechariah chapter 3, verse 2. The Lord himself, the Father, Father God, said this. And in Jude, verse 9, the angels said this. But you've been given authority over this area, this world. And so I want to say to you, you can say this too. The Lord rebuke you. Notice... The Father God said, the Lord rebuke you. We have victory in Jesus Christ. The Lord rebuke you. Now, <laughs> if I don't preface this, uh, some of us might leave, and when a family member, you could tell it's a spiritual battle through them, you might say, the Lord rebuke you. No, you don't know. It's not. See, that's a, that's a fleshly battle. It's when you, by yourself, you take a stand like David did, even though I, it seems like I've lost hope. Satan, I know where this is coming from. You are the they. The Lord rebuke you. I take authority over you, and I bind this up in Jesus' name. I bind death up. I bind sickness up. I bind poverty up in Jesus' name. The Lord rebuke you. I know you got people write books and stuff and say, well, you can't say that. You know, I just, I'm not going to spend time arguing against that. You can Google that. And some people say, well, that's not for us. God has given us the authority. As Terry taught to know it's a spiritual battle, Satan is coming against you. So let me give you a couple of subpoints of my first point that you are in a spiritual battle. Again, recognize, everyone understand, recognize there are many things that you face that are, are, that are a spiritual battle. So here's my first subpoint. When you are in a spiritual, uh, you must recognize it is real. You say, Pastor, well, of course it's real. I'm feeling. No, you got to recognize this is real. You got to recognize that there is an enemy. He's called Satan. There is his little punks that he has. 
that he uses, and then there are people that he works through. But there is a spiritual battle, and that battle is real. And don't stick your head in the sand, and don't just walk around, you know, like, well, God, you know, the enemy can't touch me because I'm a Christian. How many of you had greater battles after you became born again? Okay, understand that. Because he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy and stop what God's called you to. You're not just having emotional memories. The enemy is trying to jump on your memories. Because he is the cruelest person in the universe. Everyone has to get this. Your battles are real. And here is the second sub-point that's not going to sound like I, what I just said. And also, a spiritual battle, it is a lie. It is a lie. I know that's kind of an oxymoron, but let me say this. You ask, is it real or is it a lie? And here's my answer to that. A spiritual attack is a real lie. Satan works this way. He is the father of lies. Satan will say when you are losing hope and are tired, just like David was, you have blown it too many times. This mom of this young man, you have messed up too many times. It will never work out for you. You are different and worse than anyone else, and someone else is going to get victory, and you're not. Everyone's looking at you and thinking you are a worthless piece of junk. They're just being nice because, quote, they're Christian. Or they have to be. And that's what the enemy is saying to you. It's a real lie. It's a spiritual attack. You are praying for people in your family. It's not happening. I want to tell you, that is a, if you are walking with God and have faith, when you proclaim the word of God, the promises of God, they are yours, yea and amen. And if it's not happening, there's a spiritual battle. And it's a lie. And we have to go after it. So what do you say? The Lord rebuke you. Oh, I understand the principle. You have the authority, so, so you, in Jesus' name, See, let, let's get out of the semantics and let's get into real life. I get really tired when I can hear someone counseling someone else and all they do is bring a bunch of semantics and it doesn't touch the real thing that's going on in the person's life. And they want to spill out everything that they studied the night before instead of spilling out life. There's life. That's why there's... There's oil dripping off of your hands. There's an anointing upon your life to lay hands on the sick that they would recover. There's an anointing to bring people into understanding of who God is through your life, through your example. And we gotta, we gotta get to a place where we're real. Because to a lot of people, what Satan says and does is more real than what we do or say. You follow me? Because if you know it's a spiritual attack, you take authority of that, you rebuke that, 
then you're going to see the miracles. You're going to see the healings. You're going to see the restorations. You're going to see the marriages healed. You're going to see these things change. You're going to see people who maybe were evil and they turn around because Jesus Christ has saved them. That's who you are. We'll say things like, don't you dare talk to a child of God like that. That's the type of attitude we should have. I'm not talking to a about a family member. I'm talking that you say in the spirit realm, in Jesus' name, don't you talk to a child of God like that. You have no authority over me. You have no power over me. And let me say this to you. Don't listen to it either. When you go, how many of you have driven to go pray for someone and all the way over there you're in a battle? You're gonna go over there and you're gonna look stupid because brother so-and-so, who's a brother or a cousin, they're gonna, they're gonna have a beer in their hand and uh, they're gonna be half drunk and they're gonna say, get out of here. You're gonna have all these battles. You're gonna, you know, your mind is, and by the time you get there, you're like, <laughs> You know, you, you have no desire to even do what God's called you to do. Everyone just, please, just everyone, I know you're looking at your notes, you're writing. Look at me for a second. You have to understand that you are a tool, you are a son or daughter of the Most High God that has called you and anointed you to do great things for the kingdom of God. Not possible, not if, he's called you to do this. God's not a liar. You have a place to do great things for the kingdom of God. And if, if they say something opposite, they are lying and it's come from the pit of hell. You love the person, you hate the person behind it, who is Satan. Amen? Follow me? I know I'm being a little bit strong here. Well, let me tell you since you know now that you're in a battle and you know that the spiritual battles, what he says is a real lie, let me tell you how good Satan is at his lies. Satan will produce evidence to prove or back up his lies. The evidence, though, is false evidence. Let me give you a great example in the Bible. Remember Joseph's brothers brought Joseph's coat to their father and it was torn and bloody? Evidence. What did the father say? A wild animal must have eaten my son. Did a wild animal eat Joseph? No, but he had evidence. You pray for your child, and they're out there in the world. You pray for your child, and then two weeks later, it's gotten worse. False evidence. When you have taken control in the, in the spirit realm, you have bound the enemy. He has no power. But he will lie and give you evidence. Why? So that you lose hope. I think you're getting this now. This will transform how you do anything in your life if you grab a hold of this truth today. Your pastor loves you. 
I desire the best for you. I desire every one of you to prosper like you've never dreamed. I want you to be in health even as your soul prospers. Satan will really work on marriages too and give one of the biggest lies. You know what he says about marriages all the time to you? You're not meant for each other, you're opposites. Well, of course you are. If you were alike, you'd probably kill each other. Anyways, someone told me the first service, it was great. He says, you know, if you're both alike, then you just decided one's not needed. I thought that was pretty cool in a certain way. (laughs) Someone needs to grab a hold of this today. When they attacks you, understand it's Satan behind it. Your attack is real, but it's a real lie because the word is opposite of what the enemy's telling you. So be like David. Some of you have lost hope in areas. You have moved on. Family members, jobs, careers, you name it. You've moved on because someone has hurt you. Someone said they did something. So in a corrective area, one of the problems of church today, uh, Christianity today, is we struggle with correction. We don't like correction. When someone corrects, we run. When spouse corrects, we run. <laughs> I give my wife place to correct me. And when she's right, well, you know. <laughs> I give my wife place to correct me. I give those that are in place in my life place to correct me. And the reality is, is I want you to understand that some have lost hope because they did not receive correction. And some have lost, some have gotten fired, some have let, were let go all because they did not receive correction. And we blame it on everybody else. But really what, the, what be, is behind it is the enemy saying, I hate it that you prosper because that's a promise of God. So I'm gonna create false evidence around you. At work, your business, Wherever you go, your neighborhood, you know, there, you know, there, there are people outside, people at the club, don't like me because what I represent. And that's hard because you want to grab them and pull them in, right? But you know what's behind it. But really the main goal is to get those people saved. To pray for them. To minister to them. To be available to them, even though they're jerks. Does that make sense? Because I tell you, it's hard, but that's character. But when you know it's a spiritual battle, it becomes easier. 
the last couple minutes was for a couple people that were really struggling with this truth. And I want you to have breakthrough. I want you to break through this. I want it, I just like what I'm doing, just break right through it. I want you to be able to walk out of here with joy in your heart and that oppression and that stuff that, that David was under. And he's saying, oh, just everywhere I go 24-7, it's there and I'm tired, God. And we'll follow chapter 42 and 43 and we'll see how he sees things. He gets his divided heart into an undivided heart. And he has great victory. That's what I want for you. The Lord loves you. You, you are Jesus' daily delight. He delights in you. He delights in me, even though I'm not perfect. But thank God I have 1 John 1, 9, that I confess my sin before him. Let's all stand.